0: Uh, Hi, hello and welcome. This is the Zonecast where we interview emerging Canadian professionals, entrepreneurs and academics. And today we have with us on the show Valerie Fox, founder of Pivotal Point. Uh, Hi Valerie, how are you? Welcome to the show.
1: Thank you very much for having
0: me. You're welcome. I'm very excited for this uh, interview. So why don't we start by talking about uh, you. So can you give us a brief background about yourself?
1: Sure, um, it's not that brief because I'm kind of old. <laughs> but but uh, I started out in the '80s. I've been in digital um, since, uh, God, maybe '82, '83. Uh, Star Wars came out, and I'm a designer and an artist. And I thought, my goodness, here's a way for me to be in the future. I'm also a science fiction fanatic, so Ooh. I started my company in graphic design, working uh, with actually a lot of. Uh, technical people to create software and and training materials and IBM was one of my clients then and they gave me an offer I couldn't refuse to be part of the very first multidisciplinary team to design and create enterprise software and that's when my career just started to take off because over time I got to lead those teams. Um, I ended up at the very end uh, at IBM to uh, become the National Practice Lead for User Experience But during my time there, I was an inventor, I have a number of patents there, and also I was a creative director for a a very large sites such as the Sydney Olympics, which was my my favorite one, I think, and so that was amazing. And then around 2006, 2007, um, uh, Sheldon Levy became president of RRC University, and he spoke to me and asked me to help him uh, enable the university to be more more entrepreneurial and innovative and could I help him to do that. And uh, through that I had a number of uh, projects that I worked with uh, him on, but of course my favorite and the biggest one was helping him to found the DMZ. So in 2009 we started the DMZ, 2010 officially uh, opened it and then it just soared and it uh, just grew exponentially. Uh, for the next number of years, I and I stayed there till I stayed at Ryerson until about uh, 2015. Uh, it was July 1st actually. It was my last day, and I left at a very high point for DMZ. It was had been recognized by UBI at that that time as uh, number one in North America, number three in the world, and I left because it was such an awesome experience that I felt that we needed these types of environments all over the world. We needed to have incubators, more of them, in every town, every city, every academic institution, every corporation, and they all needed to intersect. Why do I say that? Because what I learned is that people love to learn. They're happiest when they're learning, producing wonderful things, enabling others to learn and produce wonderful things, too. And, uh, And so even though I am a capitalist, I also recognize the social implications of this and how awesome it is for people to feel empowered as an entrepreneur. And so that's what I've been doing. So I started the Pivotal Point back then. Um, I've now been in business for um, almost three years. It's two and a half years now. And um, I've worked in all kinds of places, all over uh, Ontario, PEI actually, um, for the... Uh, for the premiere, and I also worked in Atlanta, Georgia, South Africa, helping to put in the uh, Chimiligong precinct in Johannesburg. Also, uh, I'm, I just recently I came back from uh, two trips to Amman, Jordan, where we're helping to put in a women's-led business incubator, and also working with Algonquin College, where they're uh, using indigenous entrepreneurial mindset and adding that to curriculum and adding it as a way of learning, which is Phenomenally fantastic! It's it's just it's a it's really to get your head around that is pretty something, and then also working uh, a recent project is with the Yukon where they're combining a co-working space and a maker space together, uh, in in the north. So pretty well, you know i I'm, I'm working with numerous consultants, numerous organizations to help really elevate the idea of these incubation-like environments. It's working, it's happening. This is all preparing us for life in the 21st century.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. And uh, I guess this is also a very interesting time to do this interview because the DMZ, which you co-founded back in 2010, very recently got the new ranking as the world's number one university-based technology incubator. So uh, I was curious to know how you feel about that. Did you get a chance to be at the uh, conference that took place in february and what are your thoughts
1: oh well so number one is yes of course i was there and i was very thrilled to see that dmz is being recognized around the world dmz is interesting because it's now it's kind of it's it's taken off in a way that i didn't foresee it's become much more of an accelerator Mm -hmm. Uh, abdullah is really concentrating on sales which is awesome and uh it it seems that the the types of companies now that are coming out are accelerating at a greater rate. So he is accomplishing what he set out to do, and I'm really happy for him, and I'm really happy that the DMC created the base in which we can now create uh, these very successful companies. Interestingly though enough, that the DMZ also at the time, which I did not mention, is it had also influenced the idea of universities taking a bigger part in incubation. Mm-hmm. And what happened way back, uh, it, it, and it's still happening, uh, and uh, Abdullah is, is also. Um, part of what's going on, but uh, there are a number of zones that have popped up all over Ryerson, these incubators, uh, I'm sure you've heard of them, and I think there's 10 now, in all kinds of places, like uh, there's the Legal Innovation Zone, there's the Biomed Zone, as well as uh, Design Fabrication, Fashion, uh, Social Ventures, iBoost, there's so many of them, and they're awesome, because faculty now have really embraced this kind of thing, and what's interesting now is uh, is also affecting curriculum in certain ways, oh. where they have s- things like super courses and that type of stuff. So that learning and watching all of this evolving means that, uh, yes, we're creating uh, and, and uh, supporting new companies, and DMZB has become a place of accelerating that. But the zones are now helping to fill that pipeline with Mm. amazing, amazing entrepreneurs that are looking at things from a multidisciplinary perspective. That's actually the message that I'm taking to other academic institutions and towns Mm. and cities. And uh, so what's great about Ryerson is it continually gives me lots of intel to share with other people so that they too can have this type of success.
0: Yeah, yeah. I think it's... uh, what you mentioned about super courses, I find that to be fascinating, so what, I've never heard of that, what yes. is
1: it? Well, it was the brainchild of Hossein Ranama, Dr. Hossein Ranama, who uh, was actually one of the f- founders of, of the DMZ as well. And um, he, what he did was he joined forces with Richard Latchman, uh, uh, an incredible person who's now the head of zone learning for Ryerson. Uh, out of our creative industries uh, area at at Ryerson and then also um, Sean Weiss and TRSM, so that's our business school here at Ryerson, And, um, and basically took their capstone courses and had them at the same time and brought in industry challenges so that multidisciplinary teams could get together and actually create solutions. And what's so interesting about having a capstone uh, program that does that is that it produces that students themselves are now impacting challenges, coming up with the real solutions for things that can lead to creating companies. And because it's multidisciplinary, they have a better chance of doing that. Mm-hmm. So there's something else I wanted to tell you yeah. because wh- while I was at the UBI summit the the day before, I had already uh, joined forces with Ryerson International and Olu University in. Um, in Finland, and we created something called InkStart, and we're helping uh, academic, so um, university-based incubators come together and do a workshop with them where they're helping each other build their incubators. Mm. So we did this amazing thing where uh, we built a, an incubator canvas that they used, super successful, and then peer-to-peer mentoring amongst the uh, executive directors of all of these different incubators from around the world. We had we had people from uh, Brazil and Colombia and um, uh, the UK and also um, Australia was there and many many others and uh, they all helped each other to build better incubators for themselves so it was it was one of those beautiful experiences exactly what i was hoping was going to happen so i was very happy to be part of that
0: yeah i was actually going to ask you about inkstart because i saw one of your tweets about this incubator for incubators or that's right incubators for accelerators. accelerators so so you're mentioning that it's like a workshop for all executives from different incubators to come together learn and network with each
1: other from each other that's right and so what better way to do it and so you have incubator uh, executive directors that are just starting or have been doing it for a couple of years or those who want to scale Mm -hmm. and if you have all of these different you have that kind of diversity and also a diversity of cultures and approaches yeah then you've got amazing peers that you can learn from one another so it's it's quite exciting and it also fulfills the mission that I was so wanted to uh, to do when I left the DMZ, which is more incubators. This, yeah. this should be part of our. This should be part of our learning and our education system. Absolutely. this should be part of. Mo- like the other thing that I've been discovering is, is in small towns that they need entrepreneurship. As well, a lot of people are moving to the big city. Well, you don't really have to if you create the right environment for entrepreneurs in smaller towns, mm-hmm. and uh, we have an, a number of ways of uh, doing that as well. So it's been it's been quite interesting. Every day is an adventure, and I'm thrilled to see this momentum, this movement happening.
0: Yeah, that's that's very exciting. So. As you as as you mentioned, DMZ is definitely a very active, vibrant, and exciting place. And you founded it. What made you leave uh, DMZ in twenty uh, fifteen?
1: Um, I I actually thought that I start things. That's what I like to do. And I felt like it had legs. It was quite solid. It was already recognized by UBI. As it was at that time, it was number three in the world. Uh, and number one in North, North America. Uh, we already had our 450 entrepreneurs at any given time. We already had numbers of success by then, I believe, uh, in, in partnership with Ryerson Futures, which I haven't talked about yet, but Ryerson Futures is Ryerson's for-profit arm that enables us to also accelerate uh, businesses and also have uh, different types of relationships with businesses all over the world as well, and uh, manage a seed fund, for And invest in some of the companies so that was really awesome Uh and um anyway all of that had happened plus what we did with the zones and everything else i wanted this all over the world and in my current position uh running the dmz i i needed to take care of the dmz and and that was my of course that's i was hired to do that um i had done it and now i felt like okay now it it could grow into, it already was solid, it could grow into many different ways, and so that was awesome. I left because I love it, and I felt that uh, we need this everywhere. Not the DMZ, but those environments Mm -hmm. that really produce awesome uh, entrepreneurs and enable communities to grow.
0: Interesting. So I guess that's when you left DMZ and uh, started Pivotal Point, uh, your own practice. So can you tell us more about uh, Pivotal Point? and uh, what kind of projects you've been involved in?
1: So um, so the pivotal point is a consultancy. Uh, you should know also that not only my background is in design and now, ma- now creating incubators, but I'm also an executive coach, so I also coach people in their own um, careers and, uh, and, and personally. So I do that too. And so it's a, it's a coaching consulting practice. And uh, what I set out to do, because of my age, so I should tell you that I am a grandmother, and <laughs> I have got uh, two grandkids that are nine and seven, and I'm in my mid-sixties, so if you think mm. about that, I'm at a different point in my life, and, and I, I, I just want to fulfill missions. So I wanted to build something that could scale, but I don't have to scale. So if that makes any sense. So what I've done is I now partner with multiple consultants at any given te- time. So I have I can bring in teams of people but they're not my employees. And I huh. love working like that. It's amazing because then I have the freedom to do what I like to do. I also encourage other uh, consultants and entrepreneurs to also build their own practice and I, I'm able to pull them in or they pull me in when we need to. And that that freedom is what I'm looking for right now to enable me to just run and do the types of things that I want. So when I my first gig was with um, for the premiere of PEI, uh, uh, I was asked, and this was actually through a um, an introduction through, with Sheldon Levy because Sheldon knew wa- knew Wade McLaughlin, just fantastic. And Wade said to me that he really wanted PEI to be a destination for food, and so could I assist in putting in an innovation hub. And it's been awesome. The very first thing is when you're putting in an, uh, some type of innovation hub or an incubator, is that you need amazing people to run it and make it yeah. happen. And you need people right on the ground. And we found them. They were like uh, Christina, who started this off, um, and, and Alex were like just so perfect to, to kickstart this and to get it to grow. It's now doubled in size since we started. The secret to success with the innovation hub there, which is co- called Startup Zone, is that they partnered with, with the uh, existing incubators already, the existing economic development teams already. So it became a community hub, and it really is. And that's what enabled it to grow exponentially. Other gigs that I had then was I, 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 I was working with, uh, I was The Chmilgong Precinct, which is in Johannesburg, South Africa. It's an incubator of incubators, and I got to work with this guy. He's called Prof. Barry, but Barry Dwalski, who um, comes from Wits University and is the president of Chmilgong Precinct. He just left. Recently, it's been already been developed. It an incubator of incubators means that it's a block long building, this gorgeous building that has an incub- an IBM incubator in there. It's got with from Microsoft, a telecom, and a wow. university. It's amazing and transforming. It was just a beautiful experience, and I'm I'm very lucky to have done that. And I've traveled to the Caribbean, working with a, a gentleman named Stephen Colte, who wrote a book c- called Peace Through Entrepreneurship. Brilliant, and he helps um, people in the Caribbean, but now mostly in Africa, putting in um, incubators and, and really help, helping people to scale in entrepreneurship. So he's very amazing, and I was very lucky to meet him. And, and uh, like I said, I, I'm also working, uh, God, it's all over the place, in uh, city of Barrie, uh, Brampton, Napanee, so this is here locally, also working uh, for Algonquin College, I had mentioned. And uh, and Yukon and I'm forgetting like there's a list <laughs> of them I can't just name them all <laughs> off the top of my head but just know that that I also am on a number of advisory boards and board directors uh, where I'm really trying to uh, help build the community and add any expertise I can and uh, and connections that um, I might have to other people to help them grow theirs as well.
0: Interesting. So re- recently you, you traveled to Jordan, uh, and you're working on an incubator project, so, so that's that's exciting. Tell, tell us about that.
1: Oh, that's an amazing project. So that's that was through Ryerson, uh, Ryerson International, and the opportunity, and I would say it was the, the, the first step towards creating uh, InkStart, but um, the Jordan project ca- actually came from CBIE, which is the Canadian Bureau of... International Education. education. You got it. And um, they uh, had answered an RFP from uh, Global Affairs to build this women-led business incubator in, in Jordan. So the partnership is with Ryerson International. It's also with uh, the DMZ. It's also with something called Injaz. And Injaz is this amazing company in Mm. Jordan, or organization, not-for-profit organization in Jordan, that produces uh, entrepreneurial education for um, high school students and also university students. And you'll see it pretty well in every high school. Uh, Because they have girls schools and boys schools, they're separate, so they have the in-jazz education. We met a number of people, young people, who had taken in-jazz entrepreneurial education, and now in universities. Now uh, they're expanding, and um, we are helping them put in this women-led business incubator in Amman. And it's fascinating, and I love it because it's, it's looking at things through yet another lens. What's beautiful is that they have this gorgeous culture there that's very family-oriented. And uh, women, women uh, they love to take care of the children. That, that is expected of them, but they, they love it, and, and they take care of the home. And so their time is, is, is pulled because if they do want to do entrepreneurship if they do want to become entrepreneurs and create businesses they still have the responsibility at home that's yeah. not going to go away so yeah. so we have to look at that and figure out ways of enabling both can can you have your cake and eat it too and the answer is yes you can and but there are certain things that you need to put in a space to enable that to happen mhm so a very interesting challenge but um, beautiful people and amazing ideas coming from these women. And, uh, yeah, it's just been a thrill to work on that.
0: Interesting. So did you see any fancy uh, tourist sites in uh, Amman? I I (laughs) I know they have a lot of them.
1: Yes, well, uh, of course, I went to Petra, which was uh just mind-blowing. Yeah, it was really Fantastic, and and it was very Indiana Jones when you first walk in. It really feels like that. Yeah. But you're just you're awestruck. It, uh, you just can't you can't believe that you're there. What was so great is we had one day off the first time I we went in two weeks. We had one day off. Very busy when we we're there. But we traveled to Petra, and then from there we went to the desert. So we went to Wadi Rum, and and we saw the sunset in the desert we ate under a full moon wow. and uh, it was it was just beautiful and then the second time i went uh we were all, we were there for two weeks and one day off and then the one day we went to um uh, jeresh and uh it's beautiful. It's an ancient city and you walk down on streets that are like from 200 BC and you see the, the shops that are just made of stone and you see the water systems that are there that you can't believe that people it was a city. It was and it was amazing. So yes, it, it Jordan's a fantastic place to visit.
0: Yeah, yeah, it, it is. a. I think because of those places, it's it's a very big filming destination. Also, I, yes yeah. yeah for the desert in
1: fact what did someone tell me oh i'm now i'm forgetting the uh the film but they, they were just shooting another film in the desert when we were there but this is like a, a number of months ago
0: oh, okay yeah. okay i know they shot the martian there
1: yes i saw that that's the site i saw but they were shooting another film right in the same spot oh okay yeah
0: interesting yeah interesting so uh from your previous work with ibm and in your own business you also have a patent for the universal shopping web, shopping so cart, shopping, so the shopping, shopping cart. cart. Yeah,
1: yeah, yeah. So that was that's an interesting story too, and that was back. Uh, that it all came about uh, in the '90s. That idea, but so I'm sure the audience who's is <laughs> probably too young to appreciate how difficult things were back then. Because <laughs> like even the 2000 Olympics, because I was plugging in my <laughs> computer into the phone line and waiting for things to happen. Um. It was enough. You know, if I think back at my patients, it was unbelievable. But um, yeah, so the universal shopping cart. This was this is before you, you were able to shop in multiple places and then pay for it at the same time. And so that was the concept. And I, I teamed with um, uh, someone who's very highly technical to come up with a solution for that. And it yeah became one of the IBM's top five percent patents. And I, I um. it, what was. What was the coolest thing was that the idea was a design idea as opposed to a technical idea, and um, yeah, I, I I thought of it and I had but I had to prove it. So that was an interesting exercise for me as a designer because you could come up with a concept, but yeah, you, ha- you have to be able to prove it technically. So this is mm-hmm. where teaming partnership. I learned a lot about the fact that multidisciplinary teams are the best. Like. I, I love hanging out with people from multiple disciplines because you pretty well can solve, well, not every problem, but you certainly can solve a lot of problems that way.
0: Yeah, yeah. I guess a lot of the things which have become much more common and mainstream now, like I guess in the 90s, they were more breakthrough or in very early stages. Oh, you would believe <laughs> what
1: <laughs> the somersaults we had to do. do that, that expression, leaning over backwards, to get stuff done. You, you just, well, you try you become very creative because the technology wasn't ready mm-hmm. back then, really, for all that. We, we're living in the technology that we only dreamed about back mm. then in the 90s.
0: So. so I'm guessing the work that you did with the Sydney Olympics, if you can tell more about that, and I'm guessing some of the similar challenges may have applied when you're trying to create an online digital experience.
1: Well, yeah, especially if you wanted it to be um, amazing to look at. And so we really had to wrestle the idea that every screen that came up took a while to get up. So what is it that you needed to do for the user
0: uh-huh. while
1: the screen's coming up with all of this information? Because remember, during the Olympics, you've got millions, millions, millions of people look, you know, coming in to your website looking in on what's going on from around the world. And you want it to be as enjoyable as possible and we created multiple games that you could play while you were watching the olympics and that kind of stuff so i have to say that the team that uh we had was beyond phenomenal because we were able to make stuff happen in the craziest most craziest ways you could possibly imagine because the technology really wasn't there yet we're, we're just you know if you looked behind the scenes, it was it was, a, it was a, we just made stuff happen. And that was always the attitude. So I, and I, what's interesting about today, we, we use the same attitude. If you want to solve something, you make stuff happen. And then then you, you make it more efficient after. I, at least that's how I design. Design it, pilot it, uh, make it work, and then clean it up and, and make it more efficient. I might have some arguments about that from some people, <laughs> but that's, that's how I work.
0: <laughs> Interesting. So because of your extensive experience, you've also received uh, a bunch of awards like the Canadian Women in Technology, CanVid Award, and then you're also appointed uh, by the Minister Bain for his uh, Innovation Leadership Committee. So that, that must be pretty exciting to have that kind of uh, recognition and being able to advise uh, committees and entrepreneurs and uh, people from the industry I,
1: I think it, it's, it's it's a privilege and it's also I, I'm incredibly grateful of every opportunity that I ever got because um, I, I look at life like that I, I'm very thankful every day about all the opportunities and the amazing people that I get out to hang out with and yeah but the, the interesting thing is you also have to look for it and uh, so you're just reminding me that um, it's, it's advice that I give a lot of my, uh, people from my generation is that this is a, this is a time where we're all kind of nodes. We are, we're, as part of the digital age, we're also part of this networking. This is, how, this is how you can create a career for yourself and be very entrepreneurial, or entrepreneurial, if you choose, but that you're, you're, you're part of something way bigger. So ensure that you get out there and connect. And um, that's served me well in my career. And I advise that pretty well to everybody (laughs) to -hmm. do the same thing.
0: Yeah, interesting. So another thing that you mentioned is now uh, incubation and startup incubation and acceleration is becoming more of a trend in uh, higher education. Now George Brown College has its own digital gaming incubator. Seneca has a Felix fashion incubator. Hamburg College uh, has an incubator, York University has just launched uh, very recently a new incubator in Markham and they have about 10 startups. Um, so it, it's definitely a great uh, initiative to make business education more practical by allowing for students and professionals to come up with ideas and have a platform where they can try experiment and build businesses. Uh, but, but do you feel like... Um, there are too many incubators or do you feel like they tend to see each other as uh, more of as competitors especially when there is the time for the ubi rankings or or do you do you feel that there is enough collaboration especially within uh, local incubators like within toronto or canadian incubators um what's what's your view on that
1: so anyone who knows me knows there's not enough incubators (laughs) in the world and there's no competition there should not be competition amongst incubators i i believe in sustainability absolutely but there's enough to go around, and the interesting thing is that it, I think is an absolute must that you collaborate with the other incubators. No incubator is going to give an entrepreneur everything that they need. Yeah. And what's so awesome about Toronto, for instance, is that our ecosystem is phenomenal. We have, I think, well, on, at Startup Here Toronto, it says that we have 62 incubators, but I know we have a lot more than that. Wow. And the interesting thing is, if you know about them, then you know that there's certain niches, and there's certain reasons for their for their being. An incubator should be adding value to your ecosystem and be part of the entire ecosystem. That's the whole nodal way of looking at things. You yeah. look at yourself as a node and a hub. You're both. As a hub, you're going to connect to the other nodes and uh, and those if someone else is a hub, they they should be connecting to you as a node because you're adding value to this network so that we're all uh, helping entrepreneurs to grow in multiple ways. And I learned that a long time ago when the DMZ was forming because we had a number of entrepreneurs that came in. I'm all, I always play well with others. So um, it, they, they would actually belong to multiple incubators because they would say, Val, is it okay if, I'm a, if I go to this incubator? Yeah, And I go, of course, of course. I'm actually on the board of multiple incubators. I connect them all the time. It's, it's important for our um, economic and social growth here in Canada, but I think all over the world. That's why in Inkstar, we're putting together all of these di- different incubators together because we can peer mentor each other. Like, we're all entrepreneurs in one giant Petri dish of, of uh, incubation. Yeah. I think that's the way of the world. And I think the more we think like that, the better off we're going to be. I don't. It's, it's okay to go for, um, you want excellence and being recognized for excellence. I'm all for that. But competitive? I don't believe in it. It's oh, bullshit. Okay. Like, well, sorry. <laughs> but it, but it, it, because that's not why we're here. We're here to support the entrepreneurs. Yeah. But, yeah, absolutely. Strive for excellence and get recognition for it. But it's not competitive. Mm-hmm. It's, it's what are you adding? And if you're adding something amazing, then how else can other people learn from you and add more value to that? Mm -hmm. there's a lot to go on and uh, to go around and we're all learning and I can tell you that not one incubator or one method and whether you're from Silicon Valley or or anywhere in the world has got it absolutely 100% right everyone's Mm -hmm. still learning and if they do have it right then they have it right for a second because everything's changing and they're already left behind so that competitive stuff uh, when it comes to incubation uh, it just doesn't compute for me (laughs) no, <laughs> can you tell? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know,
0: it, it, that's true. I guess there is enough for everyone, and and we have to look as a part of an ecosystem uh, where we are working together to help the community and the different entrepreneurs. Um, so, with, with your experience with, uh, with pivotal point, you obviously travel to different places and you you uh, work on different projects. You have seen the startup ecosystems of different uh, cities in Canada and outside. So. Um, And this was something that we also discussed in the panel that I did in December. What do you think Toronto can learn from other startup cities, whether it's in Jordan, whether it's in South Africa, or whether it's in India, whether it's in China? Uh, Based on your experience, what do you think the Toronto startup ecosystem can learn to enhance its position as a startup city?
1: That's interesting, and I found this out, um, you know, when you travel to other cities, and then with the UBI Mm -hmm. summit that came here, Toronto's in a pretty good place. Like it's doing fairly well, and part of it is because there are a number of champions within the city that are enabling us to work uh, more easily with each other. So we have a great mayor, Mayor Tory is amazing, and he and uh, Chris Rickett from the, the city as well, really paying attention on how we are connecting, and uh, enabling ourselves to connect. If you go on meetup.com, you're, like, yeah. overwhelmed with what you could do every day. Yeah. And, and, in fact, there's just so much that we have a lot of choice of what you could do every day. Uh, I, it's funny because I remember at the DMZ trying to keep up with all the meetups and trying to, you know, make sure that we're involved in as many as possible. Yeah. It's a full-time job just to do that. That's awesome that, mm-hmm. to have choice. That means that for budding entrepreneurs or, or experienced entrepreneurs who are looking for just-in-time learning and just-in-time connection and access to um, to potential customers, it's all here. And people from other uh, well from the states are coming here because they recognize hmm. that this is a great place to be, that things are connected. I mean, the very fact that, that Sidewalk now is, is working on Quayside, so we're, we're creating the, the new space here in Toronto. They wouldn't be here if they didn't think that this to- that Toronto is amazing. Yeah. So it's 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 kind of wonderful to see. So are we the best? I have no idea. I like I see other great cities in, uh, and and that are doing quite well, but are we in in good shape at the moment? I think so. I, and uh, I, I I like the fact that we connect. My favorite meetup is Tech Toronto. So oh. Tech To. And uh, I think that Alex and Jason just nailed it. Like 600 to 800 people show up every month. Uh, and RBC wow. has been so generous to them, allowing them to have the space where they hold this thing. When they have their, their meetups, um, you have people that are looking for a job, people who are looking to hire, people with great advice. Uh, you're seeing new technologies all the time. I sound like a commercial, but I love them. <laughs> and while you're there, while you're there, they have a Twitter feed where where um, we're able to ask for things, get things. They have 200,000 people signing in during that time. Like, it's crazy. Wow. That's the activity that's going on here in Toronto. It's fantastic.
0: Yeah, no, absolutely. It's definitely a great place and yeah, as you mentioned, if you look at Eventbrite or Meetup, there's so much happening in in the city uh, every day or every other day, Uh, events, industry uh, events and networking events and pitch events and uh, investor events, so it is definitely a very happening and vibrant place to be. Um, So now uh, looking at your experience uh, in in startup incubation with DMZ and Pivotal Point, you have obviously seen a lot of startups grow come come from nothing and become successes so um what what advice would you give to any emerging uh, startup or entrepreneur as he's uh, just starting his journey into into doing his own business launching a new product or building the next uh, big thing what advice would you give them
1: so it would just depend on what stage they're at but the thing is that if you have a business you need customers yeah <laughs> A hundred percent. And so you need to know your market. You need to know that there is a market. You need to know that uh, you can hit the ground running, uh, spend a lot of time creating uh, creating your market for your, for your product. A lot of times you can do that with partnerships and reach out to people. There are so many people here to, that you can count on to help you in specific areas when you need it. An entrepreneur needs just-in-time learning. You need basics, absolutely. There's a ton of free stuff out there, or join an incubator if, uh, if, that, if, that, if that works for you. I like incubators for entrepreneurs because this is where they're gonna meet other people. It's incentivizing when you're there. It's inspiring to be around there. There's a lot of events that happen in all the incubators that are around. Check out the types of events, uh, check out the types of people, check out the culture. Of the um, incubators, if you wish to to try them out I, and as I said you, you, you can and should, and I also think that there 's a lot of schools that will help you as well um, but there's there 's a whole community and culture here, multiple people that you can reach out to, and even if you don 't want to join an incubator at first you 're just exploring the, go to the meetups and, yeah. and talk to people yeah. get, and get yourself out of your head and get yourself out of your box because Chances are, most of the ideas that you've come up with, someone else has already come up with that. Yeah. But you can always add value. So explore. This is where you have to do your research. Connect, connect, connect. That's my advice.
0: <laughs> connect. Yeah, absolutely. And, and Toronto is definitely a great place with the, all the events and all the incubators, yeah. a great place to meet advisors and people and connect. So that is uh, definitely great advice. Well, we could certainly go on and on <laughs> because you have such an extensive and exciting experience, but um, I'll have to thank you for all the time that you have uh, given me and sharing your story and sharing your journey. I think this has been a very exciting interview, and uh, thank you so much for taking the time to be on the show.
1: It's my pleasure. Thanks for having me.
0: You're welcome. Uh, for the listeners, if you if you would like to learn more about Pivotal Point or Valerie Fox, you can visit her website, uh, pivotalpoint.com, and uh, thank you very much for listening to Zonecast, and stay tuned for more episodes.
1: And you have the wrong address, so it's thepivotalpoint.ca.
0: Oh, sorry. So the website address for Valerie Fox is thepivotalpoint.ca, so that's where you can visit and learn more about her and her consulting practice. And thank you very much for listening to Zonecast, and stay tuned for more episodes.